Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello, and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Hockert. Greg, are you sad to see another football regular season go by in college football? Oh, of course I am. Yeah, this was a fun one. Um, it always does. I, I think the realization hit me on, well, I mean, on Saturday <laughs> when, uh, when you know, the the – Game was largely out of hand for for OSU. Texas obviously running away with it. Um, it kind of hit me like, man. Well, other than bowl games, which you know these days, I don't I don't mean to pull a uh, I, I I don't mean to pull a 65 year old man kids these days type comment, but uh, bowl games these days are not what they used to be even even like two or three years ago. Just with the pure number of guys hitting the portal, I mean. I, I, I'm shocked. I'm going to be shocked if some if some teams have enough guys to field a field a full roster um, this this, yeah. this upcoming bowl season. Um, yeah, it's yeah, a, it's a little tough. I think it started with uh, Christian McCaffrey declaring for the draft and then not playing in his bowl game, which so that that was kind of what started it. And then you have the transfer portal now. Uh, with the window being open on December fourth, which was yesterday for us, but when you guys hear this, it'll be more than one day ago. So it's a mix of people skipping out and not going to play for the draft or skipping out because they are in the transfer portal. So it's almost like this is this, this thought just came to me. Bowl games now are, well, they always were in a sense, an exhibition, but there used to be a lot more pride in winning the bowl game. I think it was fun for fans to be able to travel to some of these destinations, um, but with the combination of players not playing in the bowl game and now sponsorships just constantly flipping, like you never know what a bowl game is going to be called year over year besides like your your six to seven staples. Um, but one thought is it's almost like a way too far in advance preseason game because you have some teams that I mean. Obviously, guys that enter the portal more than likely aren't going to be on your team the next year. So you're kind of seeing in certain position groups uh, guys that could be playing for your could be starting for your team next year. Namely, I'm thinking at quarterback, um, for example, OU gets to see what a Jackson Arnold led OU team, you know, a little mini sneak preview. Kansas State is going to get Avery Johnson for a full four quarters. Um, So. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And so when you throw out when that's taken into account, I think the whole like pride of win loss just kind of goes by the wayside a little bit. And you're more focused on like, all right, like, let's see how these guys look kind of excited for a, a glimpse into the future. Yeah, absolutely. I that's a great point. I honestly hadn't hadn't thought of that. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see some some younger players be able to potentially make a splash and get their fans excited for the upcoming year. Well, Greg, I think that I don't really want to talk about it, but I think that we should probably recap <laughs> the Big 12 championship game. It was eventful. 
We had WWE sponsorships on the field. We had Nelly performing at halftime. Um, but ultimately, Texas absolutely runs away with this game. Ends up being 49 to 21. But it was it was pretty much over at the end of the first half, maybe even the first quarter. You could just tell um, Texas out-talented, uh, out-worked. They, they just outperformed Oklahoma State in almost every facet of the game. Yeah, where where should where do you want to start? Um I, I mean if we just wanted to go uh chronologically throughout the game, uh I think Oklahoma State's defense and then on the on the flip side, Texas's offense, but Oklahoma State's defense probably played their worst game of the year. And Texas's offense had arguably one of one of their better. I don't. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and declare it their best, but one of their better games of the year, just Absolutely. from the sense of how easy it was for them to move the ball. They were gifted really good field position to start the game after a uh, punt 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 catch interference. Is that what the penalty is called? Yes. Punt catch interference penalty. Um, put them at their own 39-yard line. So, I mean, basically you get a first down and you're in field goal range already. Um, but seamlessly moved the ball down the field in a couple of plays and scored a touchdown. Um, and then on the flip side, Oklahoma State punts it right back to them and they go down and score again. So in the blink of an eye, Oklahoma State, who has gotten off the slow starts these last, shoot, this whole this, this entire last month, is already down two touchdowns and they've played like four minutes of the game. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said last week about how does Texas win this game, Quinn Ewers has an average day. Honestly, he had a great day. He played so, so well. He broke, 30, he broke records. <laughs> completing 35 of 46 passes, broke uh, the Big 12 championship game, passing yardage record with 452 yards. He tied the... Big 12 championship game touchdown record, passing touchdown record with four. And those all came in the first half. Like, let's not get this mixed up. He had four passing touchdowns in the first half. Like that. Yeah. That they, he, he could fantastic. have thrown for, he could have thrown for six or seven. Had they, <laughs> had they felt like it. <laughs> exactly. Um, Oklahoma state, when they were able to score, the drive seemed, I don't want to say easy, but they were able to put together drives now, that only did happen three times throughout the game, so um, I don't want to say that they were moving the ball up and down the field on Texas. But when they were able to put together drives, they looked good. Um, they, they, I, I will give the Oklahoma State offense credit. This is one thing that you just look at the box score and you – I mean, obviously it looks like a blowout. But I think that the Oklahoma State offense moved the ball – Good, not great, obviously. Uh, if it was great, we would have had a shootout. Um, but they moved the ball well enough. Um, they caught some some really unfortunate um, breaks just with, uh, for, for, for one, um, having to go to their fourth string running back um, throughout this game, both as the the number two ball carrier and at times the number of the main ball carrier because uh, Ollie Gordon has been um, – Fighting through injury, uh, to 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 say the least, this last month or so, uh, basically ever since the Bedlam game. Um, so down to their fourth string running back, and then really, and I'm not I'm not going to blame the game on this, especially because Oklahoma State benefited in Bedlam from from a, a no call. 
but really some tough no calls at the beginning um, uh, of the first two drives um, for Oklahoma State, pass interference-wise. It missed an obvious one down the right sideline on the first drive uh, on Rashad Owens, and then uh, there was another 50-51 on third down on the ensuing drive. So um, you, you, you maybe give them the benefit of the doubt there and I think they moved the ball just fine, well enough to win the game if the defense played better. But the defense, I mean, might as well not even been on the field. Yeah. The Oklahoma State offense, when they realized that they were not going to be able to do much on the ground, they moved to more of a uh, swing screen passes to their slot wide receivers to essentially act as a type of run game. But still, Texas's defense just manhandled Oklahoma State's offense. Alan Bowman really didn't have too much time to throw. He had some time on some plays when Texas only rushed three, maybe four. But for the most part, Texas's defense played a fantastic game. And Texas's offense also played a fantastic game. There's there's no, no two ways about it. This one was over from from early on, I would say. But it was fun. It was a good atmosphere. It was fun to watch, I do have to say, even though even though my favorite team and your favorite team, Greg, was were getting trounced. It was still fun to watch, fun to see Oklahoma State and uh, Texas in the Big 12 championship game. It'll be really cool um, in the foreseeable future, this, this game, with the number of teams that are in the conference and the fact that there aren't going to be any divisions. Tanner, it's going to be really difficult to make this game. I mean, you think about having 16 teams in a conference and the SEC is probably, you know, probably, you know, if if anyone from the SEC is listening to this and they're they're probably screaming, you know, we've been feeling this way for the last, you know, 15 years, especially if you're in the SEC West um, and now East with Georgia. But it's going to be difficult to make this game. You are essentially, I'm thinking, one loss. In the in in conference max, I I think obviously if you go undefeated, you're you're gonna get in. If you lose one game, I'd say you're you're more than likely probably ninety percent gonna get in. If you lose two games, you're gonna have to get lucky, kind of like Oklahoma State did did this year in in whatever tiebreaker rules they come up with. Um, or if they keep the same tiebreaker rules, it'll be even more complicated now. I hope they don't. Well, we're gonna have two more teams, so this whole head-to-head thing, which I was a fan of in the situation this year being that the three teams that were tied, actually there ended up only being two teams tied in in Oklahoma state and Oklahoma. And obviously the head to head, that was always the rule. Um, But if you have 16 teams, you're going to only play eight. You're going to play half of your, of your conference in a given year. Right. Or no, 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 no. You should nine. play nine. Nine. A little I'm over sorry. half. But but for for all intents and purposes, it's going to be essentially half of the teams in the conference that you're gonna play. So you might as you might as well consider it divisions because there will be some teams that play maybe there'll be four teams that play the same however many other teams in the conference. So it's not gonna be exactly divisions, but you will kind of get a sense of Teams that are grouped together play similar teams. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be tricky, and that is way above our pay grade to determine 
what those tiebreaker rules will be or it, what they it, should it, be. It definitely it definitely cannot be head to head unless it is literally a two way tie. Otherwise, you, you're asking for a, a very low percentage chance of all three, four shoot. We almost had like five or six teams tied this year in a 14 team conference. I don't I don't you know the likelihood of that happening only increases by adding more teams. So and I, it'll be I do fun to, and chaotic and sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I do have to say that um, with OU and Texas leaving, I have to imagine that uh, the level of parity within the conference will probably rise because you're going to see a lot of similarly talented schools who recruit the same level aren't necessarily blue bloods. If I'm being honest, there's there's not I wouldn't say that there are any blue bloods left in the conference for football, definitely for basketball, but that's a whole nother topic. But there's not going to be as many blue bloods, so there's going to be a lot of similar, similarly talented schools, like I said before. So it'll be it'll be interested it'll be interesting to see how those tiebreakers play out. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. You do have some, you have some one-offs. Uh, you have, you know, the Colorado Deion Sanders experiment that's still occurring. They're recruiting at a high level, but they're also losing recruits at a rapid rate. You have UCF that's kind of in a prime recruiting location in 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 Florida with an experienced head coach, and then you've got teams like Utah and Oklahoma State who have had their head State, coach. I would I would throw that in. There. Oh, I would I would yes, Kansas State too. Oh, but, but you're but talking coaching. I'm okay, talking coach coach tenure. Mike Gundy and Kyle Whittingham at at Utah um, have been the coaches at their respective schools for almost 20 years now, both. Um, so definitely going to be interesting i think i think you'll see a lot of like like rotating game like i don't think you'll see the same team in the conference championship game back-to-back years that would shock me going forward i think maybe a one-off scenario here and there but a lot of these schools like you said tanner recruit at the same level and operate their program at a similar level to where oklahoma state kansas state like like those schools baylor even in the past Really, you go through one, two, maybe three years of being average to above average to get to that level, to that elite level where you have that one season. I think of of 2021 Oklahoma State kind of building up to that season when you know they were board, well, the defense was was for sure elite and then the offense was able to keep up. Um, I think at Kansas State and well shoot TCU would be a better example since they went undefeated in the regular season last year. You know theirs was was special in that they they didn't have as big of a buildup. They just had this massive jump, but still you know they they had it building. So it'll be I, I'm excited. I, I I'm already excited. Um, not not necessarily for um, I'm not ready for it to start yet, but I'm just excited to 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 think about what the conference will look like. Exactly. But, Greg, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we still have uh, bowl season. We still have basketball season. Uh, but speaking of bowl season, let's go ahead and we're not going to preview and pick the games this week. We are just going to mention uh, who is playing in the bowl games, who they're playing against, where and what day. So, Greg, let's start with the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Uh, this one's going to be in Shreveport, Louisiana. We have a Big 12 versus a Pac-12 foe. We have Texas Tech versus Cal. This one, 
I will probably have it on. I'm not sure I will watch it in depth. Well, but, hey, I, I do have to give a shout out. The Independence Bowl, that, that's that been a staple. That's a <laughs> that, It's been a staple, but the, uh, it's never been varying sponsors. Varying sponsors, I do have to For say. For sure, varying sponsors, and it's never been a good bowl game. But I, I do like – I think I – I went on this rant, maybe maybe not rant, but I think I had this conversation with you on the podcast not too long ago where I really like the bowl games that you can vary sponsors all you want, but you need the name of the bowl game to remain the same. The whatever, whatever Independence Bowl, the Valero Alamo Bowl. Let's say Valero no longer wants to sponsor the Alamo Bowl. You can have the H-E-B Alamo Bowl. Well, it's still <laughs> going to be the Alamo Bowl. And that's like the recognition that I, I like to see. It, it kind of upholds the the meaning of that particular game. But um, well, the next bowl, uh, Friday, December 22nd, I have no idea what this means. But UCF is going to be playing Georgia Tech in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. The only thing I have to say about this one is that it's essentially a home game for UCF because it's in Tampa Bay or excuse me, <laughs> Tampa, Florida. Um, so we're getting a good ACC big, big 12 matchup here, but I will be interested to see, does Georgia tech, Greg, do you know, do they still run the um, wing T or triple option, whatever you want to call it? Do they, I don't think I that they still run I that. I don't believe so. That we, this is terrible podcasting. I don't believe so. <laughs> I don't think um, they do either. But but they they have more recently than most other schools. I'll say that. Yes, that is true. Besides besides our um our our West Point and Navy friends. Um, hey hey, and Air Force. Don't don't leave out. Honestly, most out significantly, Force. Air Force. They run it at the. They probably run it the best. Yes, I I would agree with that. Uh, similar similar uh, long term coaching that Oklahoma State and Utah have. I forget his name, but the Air Force coach has been there for. Close to as long as you and I have been alive, Greg. Okay. Then Tuesday, December 26th, so the day after Christmas Day, the day that I like to sit on the couch and just hang out and watch sports, is the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. This one has kind of been a staple. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. Oklahoma State played in this one last year. We have Kansas versus UNLV. Um, I this, will... this used to be called the Cheez-It Bowl until the Cheez-It Bowl basically upgraded itself. Um, yes. The only reason I know that is because Oklahoma State played in this game almost 10 years ago. It's, it's, it's just it's it's a memory that sticks out. Played a Washington team that that was a lot of fun. But I I digress. Kansas this, and UNLV is who we're focusing on. This one will be I think that this one will be a good game. It'll be interesting. Hopefully, maybe Jalen Daniels will be fully healthy and can maybe play in this game, or they'll they might let Jason Bean play. I'm not sure. We'll have to we'll have to maybe do we'll do a little bit more research and come back to you guys next week with some more in-depth analysis of this game. And then Wednesday November I was about to say November. Wednesday December 27th, we have Duke's Mayo Bowl. This is this might be my favorite uh sponsor, Duke's Mayo Bowl. But we have West Virginia versus North Carolina. Um if if you're talking like big big matchups, I, when I think of this game, I think of a basketball matchup. But ultimately, we're gonna have a, a basketball. I wouldn't say blue blood, but good basketball matchup on the football gridiron. So that'll be a fun game. That same day, we have the Tax Act Texas Bowl, 
in Houston between number 20 Oklahoma State and Texas A&M, former Big 12 conference member. I, I'm excited to break this one down and and watch this one, obviously. Uh, another another prime example of a, a bowl game retaining its name and flipping sponsors. <laughs> there we go. That's what that's what Greg Greg loves on this podcast. Okay. And then the day after that, so Thursday, December 28th, we have the <laughs> Pop-Tars Bowl in Orlando, <laughs> Florida, between number 25 Kansas State and number 18 NC State. So this is the this is the first top 25 matchup that we will see um, for the Big 12, and it'll be a nice Big 12 ACC matchup. By by far the coolest part of this game is going to be getting to see the the live Pop Tart mascot that the winning team will get to take a bite out of. So I have no <laughs> idea how that's supposed to work. But I was I'm kind of hoping that instead of a Gatorade shower, the winning coach gets a Pop Tart shower. I think that that would be awesome. It might hurt a little bit. But I was gonna say that would have to hurt you. Maybe the Pop Tart <laughs> cereal. Okay, all right, that works for me. But that's a that's a thing, right? I've never had it before, but it is <laughs> it's like a, a heart attack in a bowl, probably. But <laughs> I don't know if they still sell it. But um, then that same day, December 28th, we have the Valero Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, Greg's hometown, between Shout number out. 12 Oklahoma and number 14 Arizona. So this is interesting because this is a current blue blood Big 12 member versus a future. Big 12 member. So I'm I'm excited to see this one. I have I have read a lot online that OU fans are kind of thinking of Arizona as the Arizona of of previous days. Arizona's a good team. They they could surprise them. Um I'm just I'm I'm selfishly excited to see Jackson Arnold and it's not one of those things where it's like one game and it's going to determine whether or not he's good or not. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm excited to see him play a full game. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will. And then Friday, December 29th, we have the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee between Iowa State and Memphis. So definitely, I would say home field advantage for Memphis. <laughs> Maybe but just a little bit. We'll see, we'll see what Rocco Beck and the Cyclones can do in that game. And then we got a big one. Monday, January 1st, our our only one and only New Year's Six Bowl this, this year, which coincidentally also lines up to be the college football playoff semifinal, is number three Texas versus number two Washington. This will be the All-State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. So this should be a lot of fun. Okay, on that note, I have to ask you because everyone in the college football world has been debating it for the last couple of days. Did the committee get it right? No. I I understand the provision that they had in the rules. I I'm very much a logically based thinker and arguer. So in in the rules of the CFP or their their guidelines, I should call it not necessarily their rules, uh, because they can do whatever they want ultimately. But in their guidelines. They do stipulate that a team can be left out of the playoff if there is a significant coaching change or if they are missing a player that is instrumental to the team's success. Understood. Fine by me. But are we really going to allow an undefeated team to not make the college football playoff? And – 
Yes, I specified team. Let's add on to the let's add on to that the fact that they are a Power Five team. They are not Cincinnati from the ACC or the AAC. No they offense. are not. They are also not UCF from the AAC. Like they are a Power Five school. I would argue that they're even could be called a blue blood. They've had fantastic, and I'm speaking of Florida State here. I don't know if I mentioned that. They have a fantastic football program history, and you're just gonna leave out an undefeated conference champion like that? That's just ridiculous. I'm I'm glad that we're going to a 12 team playoff next year. That's that makes me very happy that we're gonna have conference champions guaranteed a spot. But are you kidding me? Like, are we really just doing this so that we can get the SEC more money and, and get more eyes on the TV? I would love to see Florida State's absolute studs of athletes run around on Michigan's defense. I don't know if they'd be able to win the game, but I think that that would be an interesting matchup without Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback who unfortunately broke his leg earlier this year. Sorry, I had to go on a little tangent. Where are we at in society today? <laughs> we finally got it, folks. That was the that was the first Greg Hockert, Mike Gundy quotation. I, that's I, that's I all it. I could think of when you were on your rant. Where are we at in society today? This, this, um, this is garbage. So I'm guessing that you and I are on the, the same page about this. Yes, uh, 90%. Um, I, I do have some conflicting, uh, I, I do have some conflicting thoughts. Um, I think here, here's what I'll say, cause I, I agree with everything you said. You can't leave out, uh, you can't leave out an undefeated power five team that also won the conference. I think that's, that's setting a precedent that is dangerous and the committee could potentially use as a reference point going forward to leave out obviously won't be an undefeated power five conference champion, but a potential, let's say 11 and one, 11 and two, you lost your conference championship. I would, I would say power five, you probably still deserve to get it. It's just setting a precedent that's, that's very gray. And at the end of the day, we have humans deciding this and um, we all know how that's going to end up. You know, not everyone's going to agree, but I think, the tough part about this, Tanner, is that for the first time in 10 years, the committee had more than four deserving teams. And so they were tasks. They were tasked with the impossible challenge of putting five teams in a 14 playoff. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> you can't do it. Um, you Obviously, um, my my solution um, to this is not. Putting Florida State in over Alabama, I think Alabama is deserving as well. My solution is going back to 2016. Tanner, I'm going to read you something that I tweeted out back in 2016. I had to look this up because I remembered having an issue with the playoff around this era um, and wanting an, a, a maybe more expanded playoff. So I, I tweeted on December 4th, 2016, 18 playoff equals your five Power Five conference champs going to have to change that to four. I could not predict the future of the Pac-12 imploding. <laughs> and two wild cards and your highest group of five team. Tanner, that's more or less what they're doing with 12. They're just adding a couple of what I call wild card spots. But most 
fans of the sport, I think, have been of the understanding that the four-team playoff is just simply not enough. The argument in the past was always, well, one of the top four teams is going to end up winning it anyway, so what does it matter? Or, well, there's a significant drop-off from four to five. My argument for that would be the same that yours is for Florida State over Alabama. Well, that it, it doesn't take into account what is happening on the field. It doesn't take into account things that ultimately are perceptions. Most people perceive the SEC to be stronger. Why? Recruiting rankings. Why? Humans behind computers that are typing in numbers for players that equal a star. And then, you know, the teams, you get your team composite total with how many five, four, three stars you got. That's what the perception of these conferences are. It all it, it's all from recruiting um, and, and, and from your helmet logo. And when you have humans that are making these decisions, you need to have room for error. You need to have room for, hey, maybe we completely overlooked this number 18 in the country, the, the team that we had number eight in the country. I'm not saying that on on any given year, you know, we're going to have a team outside the top, you know, two, three or four win the national championship when we expand the playoff. I am just saying I think it's going to make for some really fun games. It's going to make for a great, great television product. And it's going to give an equal chance to every conference, every power, I guess you could say four now conference. Um, And and I like that we will never have to sweat again if a Big 12 team is going to make the playoff. The only thing we'll have to sweat is if our runner up is going to make the playoff (laughs) over the fourth, fourth best SEC team is probably what it's going to end up being. But um, that's a problem for another day. I'm just glad that they finally fixed it. Unfortunately, it was a year too late. So uh, it sucks, but um, I do agree with you. Should have put Florida State in. Um, I I mean, it's hard to tell Alabama, hey, I know you just beat a team that hasn't lost a game in like three years, but you're still not worthy of the playoff. Hard to tell them that, but I think it's even harder to tell a Florida State team that went undefeated, hey, there was something that happened out of your control, and because of that, we're going to leave you out. So, Tanner, that's my rant. Um, that's 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 my two cents on it. But um, by no means do am I pointing fingers at the committee and calling them evil or you know uh, what a biased or or what whatever it may be. At the end of the day, someone was going to be really upset. So now I do have to caveat caveat this with: Do I think that they ultimately got it right with what will be the best product on the field? I I think so. But leaving out a undefeated Power 5 conference team who won their conference championship game, I think that that is bad. It's a bad look. That's that's what I'll say. And I think that if – well, definitely if Jordan Travis was healthy, they, they would no doubt no doubt about it be in this game. One, one more thing I have to add before we go. Okay. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned the SEC and ESPN's – obvious interest in the sec and how many eyeballs they draw there you know the the, the sec is espn's golden child um, they, they they make them all the big bucks uh i'm not going to sit here and say that that was a factor however i will say that i've seen a lot of people talking about how upset obviously florida state is upset but florida state has taken it to the acc 
they're, they're, they're mad at, at their conference and they're mad at ESPN. And this is causing some further ruffles and potential uh, conference realignment. Um, the ACC has already been pretty unstable. Tanner and I already did an episode way back, I think, over the summer when we were bored about drafting the conferences and we threw um, all of the ACC teams in there. Or, or I think all some but, of them, all, all but like the, the the top, like two or three, like the Miami, Florida State. Um, I think we, we threw them all in there. So um, that's just something to look out for. I don't think anything happens maybe in the immediate future, but I've just see, seen some things on Twitter from uh, a couple of, of accounts that. We're talking about the Pac-12 imploding before it was being reported by um, the, the the major news outlets um, that this could potentially uh, escalate um, the what what I mean I think Florida State already they, they were already having drama over the summer I forget what happened but there was there were there were legal things um, they they were trying to take legal action on the ACC so this already I I think escalates it and and um, will be interesting to see the Big 12's role in, in, in that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, Greg, I think that it's time that we talk about the transfer portal. Uh, it sucks. I'll just say it. If you're a team with players, with a lot of players who have entered the portal, it's it's not great, and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But – I think you and I have talked about this many times and I've kind of not necessarily wanted to do this because I really like to dive in depth on different players and who's going where and whatnot, but you've convinced me and I think it's only right that we, instead of diving in depth and talking about each player and where they're going to go, where they're coming from, all that good stuff, you and I are really only going to cover the big names entering the transfer portal from big 12 schools and big names that are being signed by big 12 schools. Um, maybe if you guys, if our listeners wanted to hear more or whatever, we can, we can, we can definitely talk about that. But I think that this is going to be a better use of your and our time as well as our listeners. I think too, when it, when it really gets, cranking it and it already is i think i saw um it, it's been open today we're recording on on tuesday uh what is it december 5th um yep. and the portal opened on monday december 4th there's already over a thousand um there's a thousand and eighty players who have entered 14 have committed already and one has withdrawn there you go well that one person's probably a really smart human being um but yeah what we'll I think just to get an overall like maybe macro level idea of I mean, we're about to have I mean, because we're talking about the transfer portal that will affect next football season, we probably won't really touch too much on OU in Texas, but we'll also maybe touch a little bit on on Utah, Arizona, Arizona State um, and and Colorado. Uh, 16 teams. That's a heck of a lot of teams and a lot of players entering the portal we are not going to cover every single one but but big names for sure and then at a macro level maybe just covering the total number of transfers when we really get into this thing in a couple of weeks after the bowl games um who who uh who enter i think that kind of gave you a good idea last year obviously oklahoma state was one of the top um uh they had they had some of the most transfers 
ended up actually working out very well for them. So I will say if you're if you're uh, a fan of a school that, you know, it seems like the sky is falling and you're starting quarterback and running back and maybe a couple of receivers, a couple of key defensive players are leaving. I'm not going to pretend that that every school has uh, a coach like like Mike Gundy. Um, he's proven that he can he's going to win, period. He, he will find a way to win. Um, but sky's not falling. It, it, it does not all equal bad. So, Tanner, let's hit a couple of these major, major names and, and, and then let's get out of here. Yeah. So. I have taken note of all of the quarterbacks from each school who have who have entered the portal. Um, and that also does include the future additions to the conference. So I can I can kind of run through those and then you and I can um, you and I can discuss as well as maybe talk about where they're going or uh, schools who you would like to see pick up some players. OK, yeah, let's go ahead and start. We have nobody from Arizona. No, excuse me. No quarterbacks from Arizona have entered the portal. We have Arizona State Drew Pine who came in as a four-star recruit. He's now leaving as a three-star, according to On3. So interesting to see him enter the portal. I but that, that, that spells Jaden Rashada is for sure QB1 going forward. It, it does. Me. And he Drew Pine is only a redshirt sophomore, so he still has at least two years of eligibility left, which is interesting. Um, so I'm sure he, he – in – in what I watched of him, he wasn't a bad quarterback, but yes, Jalen Rashada is the next man up for Arizona State. Um, next, Greg, we have Baylor. Obviously, you and I have touched on this before, but Blake Shapin announced. Oh boy, <laughs> he announced quite a while. I, I believe he announced after the end of the regular season. He announced before the Big 12 championship game happened for obvious reasons because they were not. Um, playing in the Big 12 championship game. But Louisiana Tech. There you go. Louis- that's, you my pre- that, that's my prediction. Okay. All right. He's random. He's from Louisiana. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think he's upgrading from Baylor. <laughs> oh, no. That- I, could, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe he just needs to be in the right system. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess maybe a, a slight downgrade there. Yep. Okay. BYU is uh, Soul Joy Maeva. He is a – I want to say he's a <laughs> – Greg, Greg gave me that look of like, who is this guy? Three-star recruit from uh, from the Washington, D.C. area. So I'm sure that he is probably going to head back east. Um, but very interesting to see a – I guess he's a redshirt sophomore. But knowing that BYU has Jake Retzlaff essentially in the bag for next year, I, I understand why he's going to transfer out. For CU – I'm I'm very excited to talk to you next year. We have Kaysen Wiseman entering the portal. And to me, this just says Shadur is coming back next year. And with Coach Prime, he's going to be able to recruit what, essentially whatever quarterback or whoever he wants. So, so I, suppo- I understand. Supposedly, he wants a veteran to come back up Shador. That'll, that, be, that'll be a tough poll. Yeah, I, I agree, but that that's the that's the that's the quote I guess that or I don't know if it was a quote, but I I saw that come out and then kind of made me do a double take a little bit. I maybe maybe veteran as in an experienced guy, but maybe not one on the field experience. I don't know. We'll see. 
Blake Shapin. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Houston has one quarterback. I don't. His name is Jet Huff. He let's see, redshirt freshman. Didn't I don't think he played at all this year. So good luck to him wherever he goes. Um, let's see. K State. This this is the this is the big one for me. K State has had three quarterbacks enter, enter the portal since I guess since last week, but technically since yesterday. They have Will Howard, Jake Rubley, and Adrian Lara all enter the portal. We oh. all know. How good is Avery Johnson for all three quarterbacks <laughs> to have to enter the portal? I know. That's that's what I was thinking, but Chris Kleiman has himself a task of now going and getting a backup quarterback and a third-string quarterback. So that'll be interesting to see who Kansas State picks up. And also, I don't know if he was there. I don't think he was their leading rusher this year, uh, running backs-wise, but Treshawn Ward – he is the only four-star non-quarterback who has entered the portal in the Big 12. So just something to keep an eye on. I'm where not sure you, if he— where, where do you think Will Howard ends up? I Supposedly Lincoln Riley flew out to Manhattan to visit him. I would be shocked if he goes anywhere near— He, doesn't, he just doesn't seem—he's from Pennsylvania. He doesn't really seem like a West Coast kind of guy to me. But his NIL value, according to On3, is over half a million dollars. So it's gonna wow. it's going to take um, someone with money to probably reel him into the transfer portal. Okay, next we have Texas Tech. Greg, you and I have already talked about this. Tyler Shook has entered the portal. He has, I want to say he has one year left. I could be oh, wrong no, about that. That, dude, that dude's been around forever. He came from Oregon. Was at Tech for a couple of years. He just committed to Louisville tonight. Um, but yeah, again. That mean that shows to me Baron Morton is QB one. That does. Also, this is just NIL is crazy. Tyler Shook has a four hundred thousand dollar valuation, according to On Three, which that that no number way. might not might not be true. But I, I wasn't know. saying no way at you. I was saying no, no way I, just at the fact that that's even a a number that's being thrown out there. <laughs> and then the last school with quarterbacks transferring out as of right now, which obviously could change eventually, is Utah. So Nate Johnson, who played a little bit this year, I, I believe, when Bryson Barnes uh, was injured. But they, Nate Johnson, split, they split reps at the beginning of the year, too, like in the Baylor game and the Florida game they played. So he is a he's a redshirt freshman. Obviously, he has tons of time left, um, but he's leaving Utah as a three star. And then the second string, Bryson Barnes, is also transferring. So Utah is so losing their second and third string quarterbacks, but they are retaining Cam Rising for, for one more year. Though. I know. I know. I'm That's the thing. so confused. I understand that he's coming back for like his 15th year of college, but like this is it for him. Like, like there's no other loopholes. He had to get a waiver saw, or granted by the NCAA to even be able to come back. So kind of curious that that i i can t- i could have totally seen one out of the two of those of those I could guys see bryson barnes i could totally see bryson barnes because he's a junior right now i i totally understand he, he also he, i mean he he didn't play bad this year and um what's it called uh is it nate johnson you said yeah he's, he's a redshirt freshman he's fast that's all I remember from watching him is that dude is probably faster than most running backs and receivers out there. So that'll be really interesting to see where, where he ends up. And um, I mean, way too far look ahead, but what a, what a post 
the post cam rising era will look like at Utah. But yeah, Tanner, the only, the only other one, and I know they're not in the big 12 next year, but Dylan Gabriel leaving, um, OU, uh, probably the biggest, I want to say one of the biggest names in the portal right now, maybe the biggest. Um, so definitely just wanted to mention that Oregon is supposedly the top pursuiter with USC also being in the mix. And then I've heard, and assume myself just because their offensive coordinator just got hired to be the head coach there, but Mississippi state um, who also lost their starting quarterback to the portal as well. So it seems like we're just shuffling around quarterbacks. Um, and honestly, it's true. That's essentially what we're doing. Yep. Yep. So we will definitely keep an eye on the transfer portal. And next week we will dive more in depth into the bowl games. And then Greg and I just talked about this before we started recording, but I believe that we're going to take the week of Christmas off and then we will be back to recap the bowl games as well as start talking basketball. Excuse me. Well, I'm super excited to start talking basketball. I really dove into the NBA already. So uh, college basketball is much, much better in my opinion, unless you're a Nuggets fan, then obviously the NBA is much better, but um, I'm excited. Greg, do you have anything else that you want to say to the good listeners? No, um, I'm excited for some some good quality early you know, early mid December bowl games, the Independence, but you know nothing like in a good Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, everybody, um, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. But please don't forget to go follow us on Twitter, inst- Twitter, well X, Instagram, and TikTok at around the underscore 12. We're going to try, especially with us not having to watch as many football games now, we're going to try to put out some more content and then follow us on Facebook at around the 12 podcast. Um, Yeah. Super excited to continue along with this. Also, Greg, we've been doing this for over a year now. We didn't, because we took, because we took a a couple weeks off in the summer, it's not quite episode 52, but um, we've been doing this for a little over a year now and we are enjoying the heck out of it. All right, everybody. We thank you for listening. I'll say it again. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye.